You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. You now, if you will, please, to turn with me to the 23rd Psalm as we think together on the subject, If the Lord is your shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd. Now, we are looking at a passage of Scripture, which, as I've said earlier, is the favorite passage of Scripture for many people. In fact, for some people, it is indeed the only passage of Scripture with which they have any familiarity at all. I remember when we were interviewing James Reed, a member of our church, works in our bus ministry, and his wife, Jackie, um, when we were interviewing him and talking together about how he came to know the Lord, he was recalling how... He had been totally out of God's plan for his life, had no idea of ever giving his life to God, and how the Lord had just captured his heart. For one day in a drunken brawl, as he was uh, giving quite a bit of trouble to someone else, he began to realize that the fellow had pulled a shotgun out. It was aimed at him. He heard the explosions. He felt the pellets as they entered his body. He slumped to the ground knowing that he was going to die. And he said, all I could remember was the 23rd Psalm. And I began to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he, I guess, passed out saying that. And the Lord indeed was taking care of one of the sheep that were not yet in the fold. Because it wasn't long after that before the Lord began to work to bring James to a point of such desperation that he did trust Jesus as his Savior and as the Lord of his life. Well, many of you would echo the sentiments of those who say, this is my favorite psalm, this shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Perhaps it's because it is so picturesque and it's a verbally painting of the scene of a sheep being so tenderly provided for in all of its needs by the good shepherd. Maybe that's why some people like it. Perhaps it is because the language here is free from those things which would be threatening. But in just a little bit, we're going to see that the Christian life is not necessarily free from threats but that there is security in the Lord. I think as we study it this morning, it would be well for us to put this psalm in its proper setting. And I would suggest to you that this psalm was perhaps written in the later years of David's life. Very possibly, David was looking back across his life and reflecting upon how carefully God had tended to all of his needs. And David could remember some rocky paths. And David could remember some times of rebellion in his life. He could remember when he had strayed far away from the will of God. David could remember when he had been beset on every side by all kinds of enemies. Some were verbal enemies, the things they were saying. Some literally had it in for him. They wanted his life. And yet, through it all, God had been so good to care for David. And so perhaps seeking some illustration, he recalled how as a young boy he had so tenderly cared for his sheep. Now you've heard the phrase, like a dumb sheep. Well, I want to tell you something. Sheep are dumb. And the truth of the matter is that in many instances, unless they happen to be some wild kind of a breed of a sheep, the sheep is absolutely dependent upon the shepherd for its life. In fact, if the shepherd somehow fails to fulfill his responsibilities, the sheep will literally die. 
And so the role of a shepherd is a very responsible role because the sheep's livelihood is dependent upon that shepherd's responsibility. And so David begins to write saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Someone asked a little boy one time to repeat the 23rd Psalm and he stood up as tall as he could and pulled in his chest and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. And I think David would echo those sentiments. He would say, if the Lord is your shepherd, not only is that all you want, that's all you will ever need. And so I want us to look during these next few moments at what happens in your life if the Lord is indeed your shepherd. So taking your Bible in hand and your pen or pencil there and your notebook, let's look at some of these characteristics. For instance, if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want for recovery from the problems of the past. Let me say it again. You will not want for recovery from the problems of the past. I love the second and third verses of this psalm because they have in them the promise of revival. The more I have meditated on this 23rd Psalm this week, the more excited I have been because I have known of people who have longed for a great, great number of years for revival in their lives. And these verses have a promise of revival in them. Look with me, if you will, please. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now, here is the picture. You see, life and this earth is not just one great big green pasture for the sheep. In fact, in the area of the world where David lived, many times those green pastures were few and far between. And they were separated by rough and rocky and treacherous trails. And many times uh, a sheep would come near to losing its life on that trail, perhaps because the trail itself was so difficult, perhaps because of the enemies and the foes and the beast of prey along the trail. And so the responsibility of the shepherd was taking those, that flock of sheep from one green pasture to the next, from one watering place to the next. But getting from one to the other very often was not only difficult for the shepherd, but it was exhausting for the sheep. Now let me say to you that I am quite confident there are some of you here this morning who know what it is to be exhausted on the trail. You have come to this service buffeted by some events in your life. Maybe there have been some great and grave traumatic events in your life. Maybe life has just become tedious to you. Maybe it's just been difficult for you to, for all practical purposes, pick one foot up and put another foot down of late. It could be that you are beginning to wonder if life will ever be any good. It could be that you have suffered so much from some events in the past, you've wondered if it could ever be all right again, if you would ever recover, if somehow the pain in your heart and the grief in your heart would ever be assuaged. You've wondered if, you could, if life was just going to be more and more dismal for you and if the prospects were going to be more bleak in the future than ever before or if there was some bright hope for tomorrow and life could get better and you're beginning to doubt if it can because you have walked that trail and you have trudged along so faithfully and you have been buffeted and you have been assaulted and assailed and you're just wondering maybe it's something in your home 
Maybe it's something physical or financial. Maybe you've had some real shocking experiences where you work. Maybe you've been reflecting about your future and you've taken a jolt or two and you've wondered, can it ever be all right again? In these verses, there is a promise of recovery from the problems of the past. Notice what he says here. He's brought these sheep along that rocky path and they come exhausted and tired and their energy and their resources are depleted. They have come perhaps somewhat battered and bruised. And here is this flock now entering upon a green pasture. And after a bit, the, 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 the practice of that day is rather strange. Because here he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, you know, sheep don't even know when to quit eating. In fact, if you turn some sheep loose in a green pasture, they'll just eat until they eat beyond their ability to do something with what they have ate or eaten. They just, it, they just don't know when to stop like some of the rest of us. They just don't know how to shut down and quit eating. And so a wise shepherd in the midst of all of that will literally make the sheep lay down in green pasture. Now, the green pasture is not going to go anywhere. The sheep don't know that. They're just eating like it's going to be gone in the morning. But the shepherd knows that they must lay down there in green pastures. Now, I want to tell you something. Our idea of revival sometime is one of a fever pitch of activity. God's idea of revival is replenishment, restoration, rest, nourishment. And I want to tell you something. There is a promise of revival here because if you will not voluntarily lie down and rest, God will make you to lie down. It'll be in green pastures, but he'll make you to lie down. Some of you have wondered, why when everything was going so good and I was so busy and I had so much that I needed to do and things were going so well, all of a sudden, here I find myself flat on my back. Maybe, maybe literally physically. I mean, maybe you are just flat on your back and can't move. Maybe you're in some hospital room or at home or something like that. You say, how could this happen? Man, I had the world by the tail. It was just fantastic. And now here I am right on my back. Or it may be just emotionally or spiritually, but you've come to a point of collapse. You are on your back and the Lord has made you to lie down. Well, cheer up. It's a green pasture. Notice what he says. He leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. Sheep will not drink from water which is turbulent or bubbling or roiling, you know. It, they just won't do it. And so a shepherd must seek out quiet water. Get the picture? Green pastures, quiet water. And then notice what he does. He restores my soul. What is your soul? Well, it's where you think. That's a part of it. It's where you feel your emotions. That's a part of it. It's where you make your decisions. Don't you get the picture? Have you ever gotten to a point where you said, I just don't know what to think about it anymore? Have you ever gotten to a point where you said, I just don't know how to feel about it anymore. I just don't know if I can cope with it anymore. I just don't know how to, how to deal with that anymore. Have you ever gotten to a point where you said, I'm just not sure I can make a good decision anymore? Well, God makes you to lie down in green pastures and he restores your soul. He begins to replenish you. And I want you to know that in spite of what the devil has said to you, as he's whispered in your ear and said, oh, that's happened in your life, life will never be as good for you again. Oh, you've strayed that far away or you took that kind of blow in life, too bad. Life will never mean as much for you anymore. You'll just have to hobble through life as best you can, but it'll never be good. Don't listen to that lie. 
There is a promise here of recovery from the problems of the past if the Lord is your shepherd. He knows exactly what he needs to do with you, his sheep, in order to restore your soul. And he will do it. He doesn't say here, it might happen that the Lord might restore my soul. Or that he might make me to lie down in green pastures. No, he makes me. He leads me. He restores. There is a promise of recovery from the problems of the past. But there's more than that. Notice that David also says that we have here a righteous source, a righteous source of provision in the present. Now, there are all sorts of sources for provision. I've thought it very interesting that most people will give God a whirl for a little bit. You know, they'll try the prayer route and they'll try the waiting on God and the believing God and the living right route. And if that doesn't work, they're very impatient. We have a tendency to be very impatient. We'll say, well, since God didn't come through, I guess I'll just have to go do it on my own. I guess I'll just have to turn to a worldly source for the provision of my need. I guess I'll just have to come up with some clever plan. Or I gave God a chance to bless me by being honest with that company. I didn't get too blessed. I guess I'll just have to go back to my old underhanded ways of dealing if I'm going to live, you see. Now here, we are seeing that there is a righteous source of provision in the present. Beautiful verses beginning with the second part of verse 3. Notice here, he says, for instance, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So there he provides purpose. Some of you have been wondering, is there any reason for me to be alive? Here he says, yes, because he is leading you in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. That is, for his name, for his glory, for his honor, for his, for his usefulness, you and I exist. He leads us in paths which are righteousness, literally setting things right. Jesus echoed these sentiments over in the uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning about verse 16, where he talks about the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And he said to his followers, you are literally as valuable to this world as light and salt are. They are indispensable. You can't do without light. You can't do without salt in those days. And Jesus was saying, when you sign on with me, you become well nigh indispensable in this world. You begin to walk a path of righteousness for my namesake. And I know some of you have been wondering why you get up in the morning and why you go to work and why you do anything. I want to tell you, he will provide a purpose for your life. Not only does he provide a purpose, but he provides a protection for you. Look in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I told the deacons the other day, we were discussing something last Sunday afternoon. I said, don't worry, you have rod and the staff. <clears throat> He's big enough and they're big enough for anything. That seemed to create more worry with them. I don't know why. But um, at any rate, he says, I will fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's look at that for just a moment. Here is an assurance of protection. In the land of Israel, in fact, in several places in the land of Israel, I found that to be very interesting, there are valleys or there are crevices in rocks called the valley of the shadow of death. Now, in these valleys, the overhanging rocks close above to such a degree that there is very little sunlight that comes into that area. It is as dark as night most of the time, and you can imagine how it is when night falls. It is literally pitch dark. The sun does no good, and of course the moon and the stars don't do any good. And yet many times that valley of the shadow of death is right along the path through which the sheep 
must walk. Sheep uh, are dumb, and they are also skittish. They're the easiest things in the world to frighten. And sheep look for security. And it's very interesting that when a shepherd has a flock of sheep, and uh, as he walks into a dark place like that, where there might be beast of prey, where there might be some animal which would take their life or some person which would take away the flock, that sheep have a natural tendency to stop before they enter the darkness. There's just a fear in their heart that keeps them from entering into the darkness. And so what uh, does the shepherd do? He uses his two instruments which he carries with him. One is called the rod, the other is called the staff. Now, the rod is just what it says. It is a rod. It's a tall wooden stave which the shepherd uses. That tall wooden stave is used to fight off the animals of prey. Anytime they would get around the sheep, he would use that, that, that rod to beat away the animals. But in his other hand, he would carry a staff. The staff is that which you normally think of when you think about a shepherd. It has the crook at the end. And uh, when the sheep would begin to wander away from the flock, the shepherd would just reach out very tenderly and uh, tenderly if he could at first and begin to pull that sheep back with the flock. Sometimes the sheep would stray away and get down on some little precipice and the shepherd, not being able to get there himself, would lower that, that uh, staff and he would hook it around the sheep and lift the sheep back up uh, to safety and bring it back to the flock with him. Both of them were indispensable tools of the shepherd. But what happens with this flock of sheep when they come to the valley of the shadow of death with all kinds of fears and terrors that it would hold for those sheep? The shepherd walks in first, and here's what he does. He begins to tap, tap, tap the rod and the staff, and when the sheep, which are accustomed not only to seeing the rod and staff, hear, it as it, hear them as they hit the ground, the sheep then begin to follow the shepherd into the valley of the shadow of death, just following him by ear, knowing that he's there, and so is the rod, and so is the staff, and they need not fear even in the valley of the shadow of death. You need purpose in life. He will lead you on a path of setting things right. You need protection in life. David says, even when you get to the worst place in the world, the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear no evil. You're with me. How do I know? Well, I may not be able to see you like I'd like to see you and to look into your face like I'd like to look into your face. It may be so dark and dismal that there's no light there at all, but you will let me know you are there. Tapping of the rod and the staff are an assurance that I am safe. And some of you right now are just wondering if there are some things out there in life which would bring absolute devastation to you, to your marriage, to your home, to your physical life. And just listen. Even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, there is protection. Not only is there protection, but he also says he provides peace. Look in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. Now, there are all sorts of pictures which you could sort of uh, get in your mind when you see this. Sometimes you might just see uh, the, the sheep coming into this green pasture and uh, maybe it's began to be nightfall and you can hear the howls of the wolves and you can maybe even see the eyes of some of these beasts of prey. But there is the shepherd and he's watching and he's letting his sheep eat even in the presence of their enemies. They are at peace. I think perhaps, however that the most vivid and uh, 
uh, helpful picture I have ever seen of this particular, uh, describing this particular verse was that which was given to us by Preacher Halleck, E.F. Halleck of Norman, Oklahoma, about eight years ago, seven and a half or eight years ago, when he stood right here on this platform and shared with us about this verse. He was encouraging us to read the Bible. And he said it was of interest to him that this word for table is the same word that's used elsewhere in the Scripture to describe the tablets of the law, the table of the law. And so then he said, think about your enemies. Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it frustration? Is it fretting? Are you thinking about uh, uh, the fact that you're going to lose your reputation? He said, think about all of your enemies. And he said, in the presence of all of those enemies, God has spread before you the tablets of his law, the table of his word. And God has a word, a promise about every one of those enemies and your security. He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, I don't need to worry. I can be at peace. God has a word about every enemy I'll confront in life. Not only does he provide a purpose in life and protection in life and peace in life, but notice here is a word about prosperity. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now let's look at these verses, at these words. He, first of all, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, of course, anointing in the human sense was uh, is something which was saved, in fact, for the most honored guest. And uh, when a guest would come to eat as a very part of the cleansing of the body, there would be that refreshing, honoring, anointing of the locks of the hair with oil. It was a symbol of great honor. You remember the lady who came and just anointed the feet of Jesus in abject humili humility. And she used the most costly uh, uh, of, of, uh, 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 of fragrances when she was doing that, the most costly of all. And yet here he's talking about anointing the head with oil. Well, do you know what a shepherd does? In fact, even to this day, as those sheep walk that rough, rocky trail and go here for food and there for food and sometimes find themselves caught with those animals of prey and the shepherd beating them off, sometimes they arrive at the green pasture a little battered and bruised and with brambles and cuts and briars in the hair. And very often a loving shepherd will take the sheep one at a time in his arms and take from the wool around the head the briars and then very lovingly probe through that wool to find the cuts and the nicks and the scratches and the bruises and upon those he begins to anoint the oil. He begins to put the oil. And here the sheep is saying, I don't lack for anything. Even when I'm hurt, he anoints my head with oil. Notice also he says, my cup runs over. If you go to Israel today, you'll find many times a large stone which has been hollowed out. It's called a sheep cup. It's where the sheep drink. And so here he's saying, my cup overflows. It just runs over. I don't have to worry about whether there is enough to drink. My cup overflows. And then he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, get the picture if you will. There is the shepherd right up at the front, the sheep around him, and he's moving onward. But you know, the shepherd can't look every way at once, and so generally, the shepherd would have a dog or two with him, the sheep dog. And the sheep dogs just sort of nip at the heels of those straggling sheep and just sort of keep the sheep moving with the shepherd. 
uh, I would say the sheepdogs were pretty good motivators, pretty good reminders that the best place to be is with the shepherd. And so they're just sort of nipping around, chasing around at the same time, watching for the other animals at the back of the flock, keeping the flock up with the shepherd. Don't you get the picture? It's almost as if there are a couple of dogs, one named goodness and one named mercy. And he says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In other words, my motivation, keeping me up with Christ, is his goodness and is his mercy. Do you get the picture that David's showing? Some of you say, well, that's almost ridiculous. Well, David is talking about sheep and shepherd, and he is picturing it all as he would have as a young boy taken care of the sheep. And so he says, moving along behind me, a constant reminder to me that I am better off with him than anyplace else is His goodness and His mercy. Every time I stray, there is a reminder of His goodness. There is a reminder of His mercy. When I'm tempted to lag behind, there is goodness and there is mercy reminding me I am better with the shepherd than any place else. And so we have here a provision for every need in the present. But one other thing, David says, there is a relationship that promises to be permanent. There is a relationship that promises to be permanent. Notice here, he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, talks about the Good Shepherd. In fact, it's very hard to understand the 23rd Psalm without reading in detail the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. There we are reminded that in these parts of the world, in the evening time, the sheep many, many times were brought into what was called a sheep coat or a sheep fold. Sometimes there would be more than one flock all together. And the sheep, interestingly enough, would always know the sound of the voice of their shepherd. Uh, the other shepherds could come to the doorway of that sheep coat and call the name of his flock, and they'd come out one at a time, but none of the other sheep would even budge an inch. And the Scripture says uh, that the good shepherd knows his sheep by name, and they know him, and they know his voice. They're not going to go uh, bursting out the doorway of the sheep coat at someone else's voice. Now, Jesus makes an interesting statement in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he will enter in. Now, the picture is this. A shepherd would often use a cave-like area for the sheep coat. And he would literally position himself at the doorway so that none could come in and that none could go out without first encountering the shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the door. Get the picture of the permanence? There's not just a wide open door, some sheep sleeping here, some sheep moving around here, wandering in and out of this sheep coat at random. When they are bedded down for the evening, the shepherd positions himself before the door, and there is no way any animal can get in, and no way any animal can get out. And so here David says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A promise of permanence. I have discovered that the efforts of most people to invest themselves in something which will bring only transitory happiness is a desire to have something that is permanent. And so they try this, and they try this, and they experiment with this, and with this, all the time wishing there were something permanent in their life. Someone has said that there is a God-shaped vacuum within our heart. And you can put a lot of things in that hole. 
You can put a house or a car or a boat or money or position or prestige or popularity. You can try all of those things. But none of them really fill up that God-shaped vacuum. Only God does. And when the Lord Jesus comes to live in your heart, there is a permanent relationship which is established. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord your shepherd? He is not just automatically your shepherd. I stood yesterday and grasped the hand of a young man who said to me adamantly, No, I don't want to trust Jesus right now. I do not want to do it. I know I should. And I can't think of any reason for not doing it. But I just don't want to do it now. There is a young man who cannot say, The Lord is my shepherd. But can you? Can you say beyond any shadow of a doubt, the Lord is my shepherd? And because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't care what's happened in the past, there is a promise of recovery from the problems of the past. And because the Lord is my shepherd, there is a righteous source of provision for the present. And because the Lord is my shepherd, beyond any shadow of a doubt, I have the assurance in my heart that there is a promise that is permanent. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Or would you have to say, well, the Lord is not my shepherd. You see, one of these days, like David, you're going to die. David did. Everybody does. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. I wonder if you could pen a few hours before your death, the Lord is my shepherd. Would that be said of you? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, your Holy Spirit would speak to the heart of men and women alike. Cause us to see how desperately we need you. Lord, we are so proud and so confident in our own abilities until problems occur. And then we see how little we have to do with all the greatness of this universe. And we see how all of our frantic, frenetic efforts cannot solve many of the problems which we face. Lord, there are those here who are buffeted by events in the past. There are others here who don't have peace. They lack protection in their life. They, they lack purpose in their life. There are those here who would say, I, I'm not really sure I have all I need in my life. There are others who have no assurance that if they were to die right now, they would spend eternity with you. And Father, I want to thank you for sending Jesus who will become not only Savior and Lord, but shepherd of all who trust in Him. And I pray you'd move at this invitation time to bring many to trust in Him. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.